Welcome to the Inheritance Cycle page-by-page podcast, where we'll be reading through all four books in the Inheritance Cycle series, chapter-by-chapter, page-by-page. We'll also offer our own insights, theories, and first impressions of the wonderful world of Allegasia. May good fortune rule over you, may the stars watch over you, and may peace live in your heart. Hello and welcome to the Inheritance Cycle page-by-page podcast where we read and analyze the Aragon books or the Inheritance Cycle books page-by-page, chapter-by-chapter. I'm one of your hosts, Austin or Teacup. And I'm Shelby or Sheacup. And so before we dive into the content, the chapter today, I just want to remind you that we are a new podcast and we are looking to gain the support. And one of the best ways to support us is to leave us ratings and reviews on Spotify and Apple. If you leave us a five-star review on Apple with some words, we will read it out on a future episode of the show. That also being said, if you want to come and hang out with us and you want to discuss the Aragon books more or Find our other podcasts, the Assassin's Creed Lorecast, the Dragon Age Lorecast. You can join our Discord server. The link is found in the episode description, the Cups Podcasting and More server. All right. Well, are you ready to get into it? I am. You ready um, to do your little summary? I am. So last week, finding the farm and finding Garrow severely injured and dragging him back. And it ended with him dragging Garrow back to Carvajal and Brom finding him. And so Death Watch opens two days later. Aragon wakes up and he's in Gertrude's house. And Gertrude is the town healer. And uh, he wakes up after and is basically like, where's Garrow? Gertrude informs him that he's been gone for two days. He then goes in to find out Garrow's at horse. He walks to horse, even though his legs are still really, really sore and injured, to see Garrow. Horse asks him some questions about what happened. And we find out that Albrecht and uh, Baylor, who are horse sons, they are going to Theron's Ford to tell Roran of Garrow's death. And that's really, and it ends with Elaine, horse wife, basically telling Aragon, you stay here, you'll be closer to Garrow instead of having him go back to Gertrude's house. And that's where it ends. Um, Just a quick impressions before we talk about it. I'm not gonna talk about the dream because I'm sure you have thoughts about the dream at the beginning of the chapter. Um, I do. One thing that stuck out to me in this reading that I never thought but Horst lives on top of a hill yeah and I found that significant of further like establishing Horst as like this elder and leader of this village and an opinion like he has like to have a house on a hill like signifies not that you're above everyone but like a symbol of importance I feel like Hmm. yeah and I also think taking from like American history the city on a hill theme 
has been really important. And like, that is the idea that, okay, we are the example for the rest of these people. And so for horse to be the only one that has a home on the Hill is very much like he's the example for this community. And I think you do see that in the way he treats Sloan when Sloan is, is basically berating Aragon. Horse is the one that steps in and is like, um, no, this is not how we do things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I also think what also stood out to me is like the way Horst questions Aragon in that he's very much like prodding and trying to figure out. And like, he is once again, trying to convey that sense of duty to the village. Like when he says, if there's a dark creature or a monster roaming about, we deserve to know so we can protect ourselves. Like trying to basically bring out that sense of duty in Aragon much like a town leader would. Yeah, I absolutely see that. All right, well, what are your impressions? Well, I had a lot. Um, I wrote like half a page of notes on this one. So the first thing I think we should talk about is the dream, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. the beginning of the chapter. So there are figures that are boarding a ship. There are wailing cries of grief and then there are two dragons flying. So that's, that's the dream. But Mm -hmm. to me, I wrote in my notes, is this really a dream or is it a vision or could it even be a memory from Safira? So I I don't necessarily know if this is just a dream. Mm, Definitely. Um, I think I had similar thoughts when I first read this at 12 years old. I think I'm going to encourage you to keep this dream in your head as you read through the series because it's it's very, very interesting. I'm not going to tell you how it comes into play or what it is, but I do, just for the sake of our readers and some of those who've read this before, I do want to read it for you. Um, so this is it. Uh, dreams rolled in Aragon's mind. Breeding and living by their own laws, he watched as a group of people on proud horses approached a lonely river. Many had silver hair and carried tall lances. A strange, fair ship waited for them. Shining under a bright moon, the figure slowly boarded the vessel. Two of them, taller than the rest, walked arm in arm. Their faces were obscured by cows, and he could tell that one was a woman. They stood on the deck of the ship and faced the shore. A man stood alone on a pebble beach the only one who had not boarded the ship. He threw back his head and let out a long, aching cry. As it faded, the ship glided down the river without a breeze or oars, out into the flat, empty land. The vision clouded just before it dis- it disappeared. Aragon glimpsed two dragons in the sky. I think that there is a lot of symbol symbolism in this especially when you take how dreams have paid out in storytelling before um the things that stand out to me are two figures that stood taller than the rest Mm -hmm. um which signifies very much when this is used in dream stories like that this person these people are above or are going to be above the rest are more important or that they're they're different in some way Correct. Yeah. Um, Another thing. No, you go ahead. 
I was just going to say another thing about the dream that sticks out to me. There are two main things. Number one is um, the silver hair. Mm -hmm. And so it made me wonder who else in this universe do we know of that has that color hair? We have not met anyone. Right, right. That And that's that was the conclusion I came to. But the second thing that sticks out to me is the, the person that remains, um, who cries in grief. Who do we know from this series so far who has watched people leave them before? Garrow, for sure. Yeah. And I'm um, sure there are others that I just don't know. Right. I mean, lots of, lots of people. Um, I can't really answer that question just without spoilers. I'm without sure, spoilers. I'm sure. But yeah, it was definitely interesting. Um, and it, whether you take dreams seriously or not in our world, that's up to you. But in literary work, dreams are always vastly important when they come up and someone has a dream. Yeah. So I, I don't know if I consider this to be a dream. Hmm. What do, what does your gut tell you? Well, I guess, do you have anything else before predictions? Yes. Oh yes. Lots. Um, Mm -hmm. well, my gut tells me that this isn't a dream because, and like, this is kind of like going into the next chapter, but like Aragon has these premonitions, you know, like he's not just, I don't know. I just feel like it's more of a vision or a memory or something like that. Um, but Mm. let's move on from the dream for a little bit. Okay. So some other things that stuck out to me, I think this is probably number one. So Elaine or Gertrude, one of them is talking about how Garrow's burns won't scab over. Like they won't like, form a crust or like heal over so that they can then heal from the inside out. That's not how burns work. Like normally they would crust over and and heal themselves in that way. Um, So to me, something extra happened, something magical, something we don't know of yet. I guess that's a a bit of a prediction. Sorry. Um, So I think that's a bad, a big thing. Um, another thing is that Aragon is starting to get questions and he doesn't know how to answer them. And like, I can, I feel like he's going to have trouble lying. And I think that that's something that's going to keep coming back. Like Elaine asks him about the scar on his hand and he's like, Oh, I've had it for a long time runs away basically. And then later on Horst and Elaine both question Aragon and, about what happened on the farm. And they're like, that couldn't have just been a fire. Like that's what happened. And he basically tells the story without Safira in it. Um, And so he's having to do a lot of bending the truth, leaving out important parts of the truth so that he doesn't tell people that, well, I have a dragon now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's, coming to a point i think that this chapter shows us that like lying is not aragon's nature right he can do it but it's not in his nature to lie absolutely absolutely agree which i think from a literary perspective sets him up as an honorable 
character. Even though he mm-hmm. is lying, it's still like he's lying, but look, he's really bad at it. So he must be honorable. Right. And he's not lying because he wants to or because he has something to gain. He feels like he's lying because he has to. Right. So um, another thing that I noticed in this chapter, and this is a small, small, tiny, probably minuscule detail, but it, it, it sparks a tickle in my brain. And that is that Aragon hyperfixates on the grain pattern of the wooden table mm. in Horst's house. This is the second time he's done this, something like this. So he has this like ball of wood thing that he had in the house. And now he's hyper fixating on the grain or the pattern of the wood in the table. Mm. Right. I just feel like that's like, that's the most random thing to include about this teenager like randomly why would why would it not be important why did you include hyperfixation on wooden patterns if it didn't mean something i think it's twofold when it happens in the house i think he's just looking over something uh it's like the weird root that had grown in the way or whatever all the gnarled roots and he's looking at that and he's just looking at that because he's 15 years old and he thinks that's interesting but i think the instance in horse house i think he's trying to distract himself mentally from what's going on i think he's running from dealing with the emotions yeah no I, i absolutely agree with that um, and I think that it's also to show that like Aragon can fixate on these small details. Um, and there's not, Aragon is very perceptive, whether that's emotionally or just mm-hmm. in his surroundings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Like it does show his awareness and attention to detail maybe. Um, I don't feel like I know him enough to say, oh yeah, you're attentive to detail or whatever. Um, but like, he's not one to ignore the small things. Correct. Um, another thing that I found interesting is Safira's personality development in this chapter, I think is significant um, because this is when, you know, Aragon's been asleep for two days um, and supposedly Safira has been out wondering where he is you know they haven't been able to communicate because he's been asleep and so Aragon's like sitting at this table going back to the table thing and he's like trying to tune everything out and he's like I keep hearing yelling but nobody else in the house seems to care or even hear it and he's like oh yeah Safira exists and he finally responds to her and she says the funniest thing in response. She calls him stone ears. Like, mm-hmm. okay, finally you respond to me. Like, yeah, I exist. Did you forget about me? And so I just feel like this moment with the two of them is a development of her humor. Mm-hmm. And I think that's significant. Even in this horrible time that everything is, is horrific and people are dying and it's terrifying she still has time to be sarcastic and funny. Yes, I feel like I'm going to be called Stone Ears in the future. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to steal that one for sure. Um, But also it shows another thing that like, it shows another difference between Aragon and Safira because like, 
Safir can feel grief or whatever, but like her relationship with the death is vastly different than Aragon's. Like mm-hmm. for her, death is such a natural thing of the world. And like, I think it's really insensitive that basically Safira compares Garrow to a deer she's caught fighting the inevitable. Um, yeah. But like, that's her understanding. Like she sees that and like, it's just her asking about like, you know, does he also fight the inevitable? Yeah. Um, and I'm sure she, fe- through their connection, she feels Aragon's grief, but it's just another thing of like, this will be a constant kind of thing that happens with them of Saphir's, um trying to think of the right word, her comfortability around death is going to be vastly different than all the humans around her. I don't, yeah, I agree with you, but I don't necessarily think that Safira was comparing the deer and Garrow. I think she was just kind of relating it to the conversation because like, and she says, um, when I first caught him, a young buck, well, let me go back. She says, after two nights of waiting, hunger bested me. I had to hunt. And Aragon says, did you catch anything? And she says, a young buck. He was wise enough to guard against the predators of land, but not those of sky. When I first caught him in my jaws, he kicked vigorously and tried to escape. I was stronger, though. And when defeat became unavoidable, he gave up and died. Does Garrow also fight the inevitable? I don't necessarily see that as a comparison. I see that as her trying to understand the situation without making it super serious. I don't necessarily think she's trying to be funny or lighthearted. I just think she's just trying to compare it to her situation and where she's at. So I don't necessarily see it as like her comparing Garrow's struggle to live with the Bucks struggle to live. Mm. Yeah. That's fair. Do you have any other things about this chapter before we move on to any of your predictions? Um, the only other thing I wanted to add is that I think it's significant that Safira and Aragon are staying apart at this time. How long, how much longer is it going to be that they're apart? How much longer mm. can they go? Is this the longest they've ever been apart since she hatched? Yeah. Is that a yeah, like, yeah, that's a good point, or yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, it is the it is the longest they've been apart since she's hatched. Because he's visited, because he's been on the farm, he's visited every day. Mm-hmm. Right. All right, well, what are your predictions? I just have one. Oh, yeah. Um, and I do think that Garrow is about to die in the Mm. next chapter well you'll have to come back next time and find (laughs) out all right well thank you for listening to the inheritance page by page podcast we will see you next time
Thank you for listening to the Inheritance Cycle page by page podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Inheritance Page or email us at inheritancepage at gmail.com. Make sure you join us on Discord in the Cups Podcasting and more. All links are in the episode description. May good fortune rule over you. May the stars watch over you and may peace live in your heart.